16 children, I think. Um, every day at noon, would put her stool in the middle of the kitchen and pull her apron up over her head. And that was her prayer closet. And all the kids knew to scatter. Don't mess with mom when she's in the prayer closet under the apron in the middle of the kitchen. Because she's praying for us. And, you know, out of that you get John Wesley and Charles Wesley and some major, major results in answer to prayer. Amen? Amen. So, ladies, just measure up to that and everything's fine. (laughs) You might need that again. Okay, now that we've set the benchmark, I guess I should use some notes, huh? I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah, where would we be without you? That's right. No, we'd we'd be the proverbial twinkle in our father's eye, <laughs> not having any further distance covered. That's right. She is the neck that turns the head. Okay. Am I in the dark on purpose, or is it just the way I am? We uh, was there a reason? Do we need the screen? Nope. Thanks. Yeah, it's kind of trippy those lights uh, that they guys. They, you know, I noticed that uh, all the highlight in my Bible just. <laughs> I opened it under that light. And I'm like, wow! Look at this. It's really easy to find things now. That's a great, that's great. Acts chapter 1. Spend a little time in the Word before you run off to all your Mother's Day's events and all the, uh, all the guys made lunch, right? Is that what happened? Boy, no response. No, no, no response at all there. Okay. Uh, quick, let's call Sizzler and uh, get our reservations in. Okay, <clears throat> guys, I'll try not to bury us. You know, Father's Day is coming. We want to make sure we don't injure that. I mentioned we wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit for the next few weeks, moving to Pentecost, and uh, that is that still need to happen? Oh, I'm seeing. Oh well, let's finish that then. I don't know that we need to record this wandering monologue here uh, but Rob has five <laughs> just like the count on Sesame Street yeah. thank you for five <laughs> anyway kids do the fun things if you happen to ever slip in here for the preschool You know, the co-op that's in our building, uh, they have a book in there, kind of the Art Link letter style that says the things kids say. Uh And I found it the other day. I was just standing there reading it, and it goes all the way back to 30 years ago. Some of you, anybody here go through the co-op? No grads? You were in the co-op? You may be in this book if you said something noteworthy, but some of the stuff that's in this book... (laughs) 
And, I mean, you could go into that book, extract comments, and go over to the fire chief of Big Bear City and say, Did you know you said this? <laughs> There's some cute stuff in there. Kids say the darndest things, huh? Yes. In approaching, continuing on the Holy Spirit, I, I sense this reservation in trying to talk about the Holy Spirit as though he isn't in the room. Speaking about the Holy Spirit in such a way as that we're sort of referring to a historical figure and going to go to a a history book of some teaching and talk about what he did when he stamped his name on history or acted in some way, like in the book of Acts, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a tendency, I think, that we have to be careful We don't speak of him as though he isn't alive or that he's not here. Amen? And I I want to catch myself in my speech if I ever refer to him as distant. I know it's not probably entirely possible to speak in those kinds of terms. Uh, And whether you agree with him or like him or not, you may remember years ago Benny Hinn wrote a book called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And part of the attempt in writing the book, I believe, as he gave it to us, was to sort of put an X over the word the. Because we tend to refer to God, the Holy Spirit. The, the definite article, the only one. One and only one, the Holy Spirit. There's lots of spirits running around the world, but he is the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, but Benny Hinn was trying to bring to our attention that when he got up in the morning, he began a conversation saying, Good morning, Holy Spirit. As always saying, Good morning, Anthony, or Good morning, Suzanne, or Good morning, Mike, or building a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. And see, I get that in there again, and, and uh, I just want to go, Ooh. And it's not bad, it's not wrong. It is a proper title, it's used in the scripture. But we want to build good doctrine, good understanding from the scriptures about him. But not as though he isn't here and we're just going to pass a history test. I want to come to a point where I realize in any moment of the day, you can realize in any moment of the day, that you're about to face something or a change or a decision um, or an action, your job, mothering, uh, how appropriate that. That uh, just before you pour into those lives again to say, Holy Spirit, I realize you're not just with me. Jesus said he'll be with you and be in you. And we're talking about Luke 24, 49. Wait and tarry in Jerusalem. He tells the disciples until you be clothed upon with power. Until the promise comes. Until you're infilled with God. Holy Spirit, we're about to pour into these children. We're about to do something that could alter the future, could change an attitude, could mold the spirit, could or could break it. Help me. I call on you in me and with me. Help me do this right. Don't let me. How many regrets do we have already? I and mean, we don't need any more. <laughs> There's plenty of regrets about the time that I tell the story about Janina 
uh, they were little, the twins. And uh, I'll share the story again. Some of you have probably not heard it. And this way I don't have to come up with any new ones. We have a picture of them. We have bay windows at our house with a little, um, an old Norwegian chest under that. And they would run over and climb up on top and stand on it and then look out the bay window. And at one point we didn't have any curtains or anything. So we just had a sheet hanging down there on the inside wall. And uh, they had both just come out of the tub and ran in that fashion <laughs> over and climbed up on the uh, the chest and wiggled up under the curtain so the, the little sheet was hanging down to here, mid-back. And all you could see was these cute little butts <laughs> looking out the window, you know. So we got a picture of that. Great little black and white. And... Uh, Anyway, they're only about that age, and Janina, uh, I was finding that she was not responding to me when I would talk to her. She would, like, ignore me. And so she got a lot of spankings for that. I would spank her. <gasps> Take me to jail. <laughs> I didn't beat her, okay? I spanked her for that attitude. And then one day she was up on that trunk looking out the window, and I was being the miffed father. So I said, Janina... And she ignored me. And I got a little closer. Janina. She ignored me. I, and I'm getting a little steamed. And I'm thinking, i got to spank her again for ignoring me. i got to get her attention. I got about this far away. And she's looking out the window. She does, and she turned around. And when she turned around, she was totally frightened that I was standing there. And God helped me in the moment. Because he, he, he said, she can't hear you. Sorry, I'm going to cry again. I thought of all the times I had spanked her for not listening to me. You know, it's like heartbeat. It goes by that quick. We went and had her evaluated. She would 70% hearing loss. Had to have the Myron got him, you know, the tubes. So we went and did the TNA and tubes and she could hear fine. She's an obedient child. And I'm just whooping the butt off this little kid for not listening. Yeah, that'll set you back on Father's Day too. How, how you know, what do they say? We're old too soon, smart too late. I thought, how much better parent could I be if in that moment I was saying, Holy Spirit, what's the issue here? Help me parent. Help me be like you. You're not getting miffed. You love this little body. You love this little person. You've got a plan for this little life. You want to mold and shape this person into a person of yours that will bring you glory and honor. You, you, you knew about this person. Your word says from time immemorial and you know the future and I'm just about to make a dent on it help me Holy Spirit why because he's not absent he's present Acts chapter 1 verse 8 well, actually we started verse 4 and being assembled together with them he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this 
time restore the kingdom to Israel. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Your version may say in the King James to the uttermost parts of the earth. What is the purpose or the, and the necessity of receiving the Holy Spirit? Of welcoming this, as we call him, the third person of the Trinity. And then when you speak of a Trinity, how do you number them anyway? First, second, or third? But they are in that order of appearance to us. And so we often refer to the third person of the Godhead as the, as the Holy Spirit. Why do we need to welcome him into our lives? Jesus said, so that we would receive power in order to be a witness, in order to be, in the New Testament wording, a martyr, a person who can go to the point of losing their life in honor of the one to whom they give witness, a person who can take the stand and sit in the box at the, at the trial and be a witness, who will not back up on their testimony because they know their testimony is true and say that, yes, Jesus was alive. Yes, Jesus was crucified. Yes, he was buried and he rose from the dead. And of this I am a witness. Jesus said, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. To live out this power-filled life. In Luke chapter 4, we know that Acts was written by Dr. Luke. And so his gospel, Luke chapter 4. I'm sure you've done this. You're reading a chapter and you keep backing up. (laughs) After a while you start thinking, I'm reading the book backwards. (laughs) And that's how I feel about this chapter. So let me, I'll try and switch it around because I wrote it down in backwards order. But let me go to just verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. What? Jesus. Filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't know, does that give you a theological bump on your road? Or how do you deal with that? I mean, Jesus. Right? We've got Matthew's testimony, the baptism. John, Jesus walks up, behold, Lamb of God. Jesus shows up at the Jordan River. and John says, oh, I should be baptized by you. No, let's... It's okay, John, just baptize me. We need to keep righteousness in order. So you baptize me. He baptizes Jesus. And as he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him. The scriptures say in the form of a dove, lands upon him and remains. John gives witness. He said, the, God told me as I was baptizing that the one to whom the Holy Spirit came in this fashion was the Messiah. Now I'm a martus. I'm a witness that this is the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. How did he know when the Holy Spirit came upon his life? And then immediately... Um, here in verse 1 of chapter 4 Luke, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Another gospel writer uses a more powerful word. It says that the Holy Spirit drove him into the temptation moment. I mean, it was a 
forcefulness of we're going to go head to head with the enemy now. But he didn't go there until he was endued with power himself. Even as the incarnate God in the flesh, Son of God, needed the Holy Spirit to do what he was called to do. I think that's powerful. I think that's insightful for us to say, well, how could I live this Christian life without the aid of the Holy Spirit? And if that's the case, I need the Holy Spirit. How do I get that? How do I invite him in? When does it occur? When is it available? How often is it available? And, and how do I, where's the switch to make this work? In the moment that I need the Holy Spirit to rule over my carnal nature and my flesh-driven fallen state, uh, how does that implement it? Wouldn't you want to know that? Don't we need that? Yeah. And I'm thinking of so many times in my life when I've so needed that. But you don't need to know everything about me. (laughs) So Jesus goes and defeats the enemy. Head to head in the wilderness, 40 days fasting. and We get to verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus received the, the Holy Spirit on his, the day he was baptized, and then he goes head to head, defeats Satan himself personally, not one of the other demons. I mean, the head Satan, the fallen Lucifer, defeats him. And then returns in the power of the Spirit. It says to Galilee, the news of him went through all the surrounding region. He taught in their synagogues and being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then He closed the book, and gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on Him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Acts 10.38. We're back here in, in Luke's writing in the book of Acts. This testimony he gives of Peter preaching at Cornelius' house. The tears were still leaking in my nose. In verse 35, as he's preaching in the Oikos living room meeting of (coughs) Cornelius, he says... But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God 
anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I like the moment of Jesus' baptism, and it helps us when we talk about the Trinity, because he's being baptized, he comes up out of the water, you have the Son of God standing in the water, the Holy Spirit descending upon him, and a voice from heaven speaking, saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. This is an expression of the triune God in one moment, right there. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-joined in the moment, and it's a pleasurable moment. They're all enjoying the moment in the expression of themselves together as one, standing in the midst of mankind's need. Powerful stuff. So Luke records these things and then speaks about Jesus walking around and working the works of the Father because Jesus' own testimony is, I don't ever do anything. I don't, I don't speak what, unless I hear the Father say it. And I only do what he shows me to do. I only do what he does. I'm not acting on my own accord. I'm, I'm fulfilling the Father's will and directives. And I'm doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. You shall receive power. Acts 1.8. Remember you. Me. You shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit comes upon you too. I know I've said it already, but Jesus is saying he'll be with you and be in you. See, in the Old Testament, we find the prophets operating in the Holy Spirit, speaking futuristic things hundreds of years before they happen under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, speaking through them prophetically, right? So much so that as they were prophesying, the Bible says about them that they were, as they were saying these things, they were inquiring in their own minds and hearts whether it was about this generation they were speaking, the one they lived in, or was it for another time. So even the prophets themselves give testimony by their quiz of themselves, saying, I'm not certain when this is going to happen, but I know this is God speaking through me. Or, and so what you see is the Holy Spirit sins, if you will, is upon the man or the woman of God. They operate under that anointing, and then that anointing lifts. The person's still there, but the Holy Spirit's not constant present. Samson, right? Just as weak as anybody else, unless when he shook himself and the Spirit of God came on him, then he was a supernatural man. But he wasn't always supernatural, was he? I mean, he didn't walk around in that kind of flow of power in a constant state it was when in the moment he would call upon God and the anointing would come by the an anointing just means a covering over right the application we use oil if you're going to anoint something with oil it's a representation of the Holy Spirit coming on a person we often just a simple you know take a dab and stick it on your forehead it's a symbolic moment of the scriptures teaching of the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit would come on that anointing that Oftentimes, anointing, um, really the definition of the Hebrew language is to rub something. You know, to prepare it by rubbing the oil into it. Ladies, there must be something you do when you cook that you do that too. What? Is there? You ever just, I don't know, what do you, massage a chicken or something? Or? <laughs> rub it. Rub, then you put the stuff so it sticks, right? Yeah. 
You rub it with oil, and then you sprinkle all the seasonings on. Well, you're anointing the chicken for its last act of service. Anointing, and the Holy Spirit would come and anoint and, you know, rub all over, if you will, the natural man in clothing and doing, empowering the natural man in a supernatural ability. And you got this guy, you know, breaking out of ropes and pushing down pillars and doing things that are impossible for a man to do. And I'm thinking, God said to me, I would receive the same power, empowerment, not because of anything I can do, but because of everything he could do. And how would it come? Same way, through the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, he'll be with you, but now he's going to be in you. Major change, Old Testament to New Testament. Jesus made the way for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. I don't know, it's like, let's close in prayer because who's going to figure that out and explain that? How do I explain the Holy Spirit lives inside of me? I can't explain that. But it can be demonstrated. How is it demonstrated? By His graces coming through my life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And I got seven out of nine. (laughs) You know, when they changed the translations and the versions of the Bible, I lost a lot of those lists. You know, because you get them confused. But I do know it's in Galatians 5.22, so I'm okay. How do we know the Holy Spirit's living and residing in a person? Because they don't act like themselves all the time anymore. (laughs) Yeah, this is the greatest testimony of a risen Christ, is the transformation of an individual life. That's what made the disciples different. That's what made the apostles different. This is why they were all willing to die as martyrs' deaths, as witnesses for Christ, because they knew their lives had been totally transformed. I like the the picture of Peter, the one who, in the moment, you know, yanks out the sword and whacks off the servant, high priest servant's ear in that altercation. In the Gethsemane moment, you know, impetuous Peter, Jesus, if that's you, then call me out, and I'll just walk on the water with you. And whoa, we're slipping. Ready to jump up and do something and me deny you? Are you kidding? That's never going to happen. Peter runs out sobbing, not crying, convulsing because he saw his inability to follow through in his own commitment to Christ. And then Jesus comes and says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Come on, Peter. Do you really love me? Lord, you know if I love you or not. Feed my lambs. And Jesus takes three moments to offset the three failures in his life, the three ill confessions of his relationship to Christ, and he pulls him back on all three and says, You're mine, buddy, forever. Now go wait in Jerusalem until you get the power you need to actually do this stuff. And on the day of Pentecost, the record stands that after the Holy Spirit 
floods on the church. They're all speaking in tongues and speaking all these 16, 17 different languages, maybe more, unlearned. And the people of the streets say, oh, they're just drunk. And what happens? Ladies, pardon me just a moment. It happens occasionally. Peter says, wait a second. I mean, Peter rises up, whether he's on a chair or not, a stool. Something in Peter rises up. What is this? The Holy Spirit. He's just been endued with power from on high. And this thing rises up in him and he begins to preach under the anointing, under the same rubbing upon Samson had. Only now it's not going to lift. Now it's not going to go away. It's going to stay and reside in him for the rest of his life. He's going to live and operate in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, living inside a natural man. And Peter becomes an amazing apostle, doing things that no man had ever done before. Paul the same, all the apostles, then the disciples. It's for every one of us to live in this uplifting, infilling power of the Holy Spirit that makes us supernatural. Not a cape, not the leotards, not the supernatural. Amen? It just means, super means what? Above. If we build a building, we call it the superstructure. That which we can see above the ground. He makes you super natural. You get to live above the natural. Do you want to live like this? Am I talking to you this morning? Am I helping? Jesus reads from the scroll. What's it about? Well, the Spirit of the Lord's come upon me, he says. Anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me jump to another moment in the history of the life of Christ. And John the Baptist is in jail now. The one that baptized Jesus is in jail. And Jesus is out doing Acts 10.38 stuff. Healing and raising the dead and doing all these things. And John says to a couple of his disciples that are visiting him in prison. He said, guys, I need you to do something for me today. Would you go find Jesus and ask him if he's the one? Or if we should be looking for another one? Now, I don't really think I understand completely the context there of what was happening or how it was said. But nonetheless, it's recorded for us that the disciples, John's disciples, go to Jesus and and he's doing things and they wait and he's finished what he's doing in the moment and they say, excuse us, Jesus, John sent us, he wants to know, are you the one or should we look for another? Now, Jesus could have simply answered yes or no, but he didn't. Do you remember what he said to them? He said, go tell John that the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go tell John that the lame are walking and the captives are set free. Go tell John that all the things that I read in that synagogue that day, how I was anointed to do these things, they're all getting done by the power of the Spirit. 
Just tell him the results are in. Use that to make your decision. I just want to be immersed in the Holy Ghost. I just want to be empowered by the presence of God. You know, I could confess to you and talk for you a little bit. Aren't we tired of failing? Don't you just get discouraged after a while coming up short? You know, don't you want to graduate from Romans 3.23 for all of sin and come short of the glory of God? You know, about the day you think you're doing really well and you go and you puff up in your natural man, you go, I am just doing so awesome. I mean, I am God's kid. I am the answer to the world. Amen. Amen. Come on. Bring it on. And then the enemy brings it on. And he says, he says, I'm up for the challenge. And somewhere we forgot about going into that wilderness moment in anointing with the Holy Spirit. We kind of rose up in our own natural ability. And the supernatural opposer, accuser of the brethren just goes, bam. Or we just yield to sin. And we collapse inwardly. And we think, what is the matter with me? What's the matter with us is that we leaned on us instead of him. We decided to corner the Holy Spirit somewhere inside of us and say, you just relax a minute, watch me do this. <laughs> and we failed and he says, ooh, that was so hard to watch you do that. Uh, maybe you could invite me to help you as he never leaves. Right? That's something to keep in mind. He never leaves. So wherever you go, he goes. This isn't meant to be condemning. It's supposed to be maybe convicting and hopefully encouraging. But he watches what you watch. He goes where you go. He gets to participate in doing what you do. Which means, when I fertilize my lawn this year, the Holy Spirit gets to help. <laughs> right? He's got to be there. That's right. And when I go in and wash up, he's going with me there. And when my kids need help, he's going to help me help them. And when I blow off my temper, or whatever it is, he goes, oh, we didn't need to do that. I could have helped you there. Purpose and necessity of being baptized or infilled or receiving the Holy Spirit into our lives very simple. We need the power. We need the power of God to operate in us. And why? John 14. I mean, can I do it without him? I think there's a lot of Christians that do. That just say, well, let's talk about the Holy Spirit as though he's not present. Let's speak of him as a God distant. We know that he he uh, came to us and helped us when we were regenerated from our sinful state and made at peace with God through Jesus Christ, and that's probably good enough. But, you know, he's not really here all the time. And so I'll just live it myself somehow. But Jesus, when he was teaching in our Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12, he said this. This confronts me. Most assuredly. Now, the old King James, this was probably one of those verses that said, Verily, verily. 
right? Which is an emphatic phrase, meaning, hey, listen up, listen up, listen up. This one's going to be very, very important to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, let's pause just for a moment. How many believers we have in Jesus here? I'm trapping you. You know this. Okay? I believe in Jesus, right? I'm a believer. I've trusted Jesus' work at the cross to be enough to pay for my sin. I've, I've knelt before him and said, Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. I am a, I'm a sinner and I'm distant from you. I'm separated from you by my sin. And only what you did at the cross by becoming the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Your blood spilled out. Your life poured out for me. Gives me an opportunity to be right with the Father. I accept you as my Savior. I ask you to save me and save us from hell and, the, and eternity in hell and save us from our present needs, save us, save us from our, our uh, not just our iniquities, but our, the penalty and the punishment thereof. He, he releases us from all of that. And we're believers in Jesus, right? We're not just historical people that say, oh yeah, Jesus was a great guy. He was a history book man. I know, uh, yeah, he's in, I read about him. I know about him. No, I believe in him. I put the full weight of the trust of my life into him. And, it, and if it doesn't work, I have no other option. It's not a religion I'm looking at. It's a relationship. Okay, that's us. Now we qualified that little word, word believe. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because, this is important, because I go to the Father. Now, again, we're just trying to build good doctrine about the Holy Spirit here. Because I go to the Father. What does he mean by this? This is what he means. Look in, in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Okay? Chapter 16. Verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Why? Well, he just told them he was leaving. <laughs> They're sad. Wouldn't you be? I mean, if Jesus came up, stayed at your place over the weekend, and, and then on Sunday night he said, well, I'm leaving. You, oh, you'd be sad. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. The old King James Version, I think, says it's expedient. It is necessary. This New King James says, it is to your advantage, to my advantage, that I go away, Jesus says. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Sorry, I hope I'm not boring you, but Acts chapter 1, excuse me, Acts chapter 2. And then I'll tie them together. John, or excuse me, Peter in that moment when he stood on the chair there. 
using my illustration, and preached this message on the day of Pentecost. And verse 33 comes to the point. Well, I'll use 32. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. Okay, let me do my best to just package the moment. Jesus says, it's expedient for you that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. Here's why. I'm going to shed my blood, as we say, on the cross. I'm going to die for your sins. That blood becomes the blood of the Lamb. The sacrifice for all sin. Hebrews tells us, the writer of Hebrews says, he talks about all the the Old Testament practices of sacrifice and lambs and altars and goats and bulls and all that. And he says, Jesus came to offer his life once for all. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to present my blood before the Father and say, this is the blood, this is the sacrifice for their sins, all of them. And when the Father receives that, that my blood on his altar, and says, now they can all be forgiven. We can restore relationship with all of mankind back to me, the Father. It says, now, when that happens, He will allow me to send back to you the Holy Spirit. So if I don't go away, He doesn't come. And if I don't go away, the blood doesn't get applied on the altar and you're not forgiven. But if my blood... He's the high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 says he is our high priest who's been tempted in every way as we have and we can come to him boldly. What was the high priest's job? Once a year. Take the blood, go into the Holy of Holies in front of God himself, if you will, the Ark of the Covenant. Take that blood, sprinkle it on what was called the mercy seat or the top of the the Ark of the Covenant. And if the blood was accepted as being beneficial and properly applied for the sins of Israel, all of their sins were set ahead for another year. And Israel breathed the sigh of relief for a year. And then next year they would do it all over again. Setting them ahead, setting them ahead, setting them ahead. Until what? Until the Messiah came. And Messiah would come and take all of it and wipe it out in one full shot. Jesus did that. He says, and when I do that, then I'll receive the promise. And I'll send the Holy Spirit, the promise to you. It's to your advantage that I go away. Be sad in the moment, but it's going to get happy pretty quick. Because when he comes, he'll not only be with you, but he's going to be in you. And when he's in you, you're going to receive the same power that I had. I don't know how you handle that, but I just am bewildered. The same empowerment that Jesus received when he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit filled him. How God anointed, rubbed upon Jesus, endued him with power. He says, now I'm going to give you the exact same thing. And the works that I do, you'll do also. And greater works, because I go to the Father. You would never be able to do it if you didn't go to the Father, because you wouldn't get the Holy Ghost. You've got to have supernatural power to live this life. And even with that, we still fall short. But let's not using Larry Lee's old phrase, let's not live in our fallen shorts. God has saved me from my falling shorts. When he said that in a message, uh, it was hilarious. 
because it just came out unplanned. God saved us from all our falling shorts. You know, it's supposed to be a real serious moment. And it, the whole thing just fell apart. And it lives in infamy now. The works that Jesus did, I'm supposed to do? You're supposed to do? I don't know. See, that leaves a question mark, doesn't it? We're supposed to. Question mark. Is that possible? Wait, let's try and erase the question mark. How do we erase the question mark? Two things. Yeah, I'm supposed to give you the answers to the questions, right? (laughs) We all want to pass the quiz. The first thing is, we have to ask for it. That's it. Luke 11, 13. Is that it? Let's check. Actually, what I'm doing is I'm trying to do memory work in front of you. Yeah, that's it. Luke 11. It would be easier if we did 11-11. You can remember 11-11, right? You just have to remember it's in Luke. Hey, everybody. Say happy birthday to Sophie Dora real quick right there. Sophie. Happy birthday. It's not her birthday today, but on May 3rd, she just turned 90. Yeah. We should have sang. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Well, of course, those are rhetorical questions. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You say, well, man, where do I get the Holy Spirit? You know, you can't get it. You got to get a Luke eleven eleven, not seven eleven. <laughs> I made that up. I did just right here. You saw it first. It happened right here. I will live with Larry Lee in infamy. No, no. you got to get a Luke eleven eleven. You got to ask Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four. Not to take this too far. Is that one going to help me preach much longer? <laughs> I'm beginning to get a little distracted there. Sorry. Love them babies. It's Mother's Day. Peter and John are arrested because they healed the man at the gate beautiful. And we don't have to go entirely into all that, although I'd love to. Um, then they are brought in front of the, uh, the judges there and they quiz them a little bit, tell them don't be talking about Jesus anymore. And in verse... 19, Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. But we cannot speak the things, uh, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. And the man who was, was over 40 years old, on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. Being let go, they went to their own companions which, by the way, I would interpret as a good cell group. It's just a, a freebie there. In fact, I'm going to mark that because 
They go to their companions. They go to those people, their close associates, their oikos. And they report everything that happens. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. Skipping to verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And if you turn to Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, you find this verse. It says, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. This word power is the same word Dunamis that's used in chapter 1 says you shall receive dunamis. You shall receive power. You shall receive a supernatural ability. And they prayed, God give us boldness. And it shook the place and they got it. And then they did signs and wonders in his name. Not their own names. Remember Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent out the, the disciples, the, the, the 12, and said, go heal, raise the dead, do all these things. And they come running back later and say, even the demons are subject to us in your name. In your name, not in our name, in your name. And Jesus says, great, Luke chapter 10, he sends out the 70. And they come back with the same testimony, saying, by your name and your authority, we can do the things you've asked us to do. This is amazing to us. Then Jesus is going to ascend, and he says, by the way, receive the Holy Spirit. Breathes on the disciples and says, you are going to do the same works I did, and greater works than these you shall do, because I'm going to the Father now, and when I get there, I'm going to send him back. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need him alive all the time, present with me. You need this in order to actually live out what Jesus wants to live out. So number one, I just got to the first point of my message. We're here till three. Just kidding. Um, one, you have to ask. You know, it's, it's that proverbial picture of Jesus. You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door and lets me in, I'll come in. Right? And the pictures of Jesus with no door handle. It's a great picture. It depicts we have to open and let him in. Revelation 3.20 is that verse. The Holy Spirit in the same way is very much, we always refer to him as the gentleman. He's not forceful. He doesn't push his way into anybody's. He's there not even to testify of himself. He's there to testify of Jesus. He's there to empower you to live the life of Christ. Galatians 2.20, crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not me that's living, it's him living in me. How's that going to happen? Because the Holy Spirit wants to reside and live out that life through you. One, ask. Two, you have to operate in faith. In other words, the next time, I'm going to challenge you. Challenge me. The next time you're with somebody, hopefully it's in your oikos, somebody that cares about you, loves you, and accepts you already, that'd be nice. That'd be a better scenario. But it could be in the line waiting to go somewhere or into something or at the checkout or whatever. 
and somebody says, I just feel horrible. I feel horrible. I'm just going to go over to bed. I feel so sick. And you say, oh, poor baby. Aisle four, cold remedies. No, 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 no. You go, wait, this is the moment. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, these signs will follow those who believe. They lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. Oh, excuse me. Do you mind if I touch you? <laughs> I mean, I know, maybe we don't know each other, but I was just thinking that I, I pray. And uh, sometimes people are healed. It's miraculous. I can't explain it, but I would like to pray for you. Would that be okay? Can I pray for you? I've had people who just told me they don't believe in God say yes to that question. I mean, I've talked to them for 10 or 20 minutes and about, oh, I don't believe in God. It's God, man. It's all made up. And people just, you know, have whatever God they want to follow. I don't believe in anybody. Well, that situation you're going through in your home with your kids, pretty tough, huh? Yeah. Could I pray for you? Sure. <laughs> I said, you know, before we get started, maybe I should explain I'm going to pray to God. Yeah. yeah. You don't believe in him. Mm-mm. It's okay if I pray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you, it's okay if I'm confused? <laughs> <laughs> and you just do the works of Jesus. Pray for people. <clears throat> believe that he's going to operate by the power that you don't have. Amen. Stir the Holy Spirit by faith in you. Say, I'm going to trust him. He can do this. Mm -hmm. He can fix my problems at work. He can deal with the people I can't deal with. He's got more patience than I do. He loves people more than I do. He he can do all the things I can't do. But I have to just lean into him. It's all by his grace. And it's all by his, his wondrous grace. That's why we sing the song, Amazing Grace. It is amazing, isn't it? Okay, I've gotten softer and softer towards the end here, and you are getting sleepier and sleepier. <laughs> and this is really a message that ought to be shouted out. But sometimes I get inside of me, I don't want to try and substitute the moment of shouting and excited preaching that wears off after you go home for the truth. I can shout preach. I can get with it every now and then. You keep coming back. It'll happen, I'm sure. (laughs) But we're building a good doctrine, a good understanding, a teaching from the Bible about God, the Holy Spirit. He's with us, in us. John chapter 7, we sang it this morning. He's in us for the overflow. Did I say I was only going to do one more thing and I already did it? (laughs) Shame on me. Happy Mother's Day. The crockpot will hold it. John seven thirty seven. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He wasn't here yet because Jesus was still here. Sometimes I get the picture like, well, they can't both be in the same place at the same time. That's not true. (laughs) He goes away, the Holy Spirit comes. Rivers of living water. 
should be flowing out of our lives because he's in us. A little history on this. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. I think I have a note right here in my Bible. It says, Each day during the Feast of Tabernacles, a joyous celebration was observed in which the priests brought water, symbolic of the water supplied from the rock in Exodus chapter 17, to the temple from the pool of Siloam in a golden pitcher. During the procession, the people recited Isaiah 12.3. The water was poured out on the altar as an offering to God while the people shouted and sang. And here's the picture. Temple's up on the Temple Mount. If you come out to the south, there's a set of stairs that comes down. And at the bottom of the stairs over to the right is the Pool of Siloam. So the priest would come down the steps with the golden pitcher, out of the Pool of Siloam, back up the steps, and the people would shout and sing. And they'd go up there and pour the water out. And in this last great day of the feast, Jesus stands next to the pool of Siloam and starts saying this. If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me. I mean, he is usurping the practice of this great celebration and putting right in himself. Either he's totally egocentric or he is absolutely the son of God. He says, if you believe in me, then sooner or later out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers of living water because the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. I need this power. Amen. You agree. You need this power. Yes. If you don't agree, I still believe you need this power. <laughs> we need the power of God to live the life He's called us to live. Whatever that life is, wherever He's put us in, in society and in oikoses and in work and family, wherever we're at, moms on Mother's Day, you need the Holy Spirit in order to do what you're called to do. Father, Thank you. I'm amazed that you even used me. And I'm grateful. I pray that these rivers of living water will begin to flow in every person in the body of Christ. Well, that's a big prayer, I know, but maybe you could start here in this one vessel, me. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to live in me and to live the life of Jesus out through me. And let your graces and your presence and your gifts operate in my life for the benefit of others. And I will just be so grateful that I myself am a blessed recipient of your presence. I pray for my friends today here too, Lord, and all of us would say, I'm sure, come Holy Spirit. We need you. We want you. We invite you to dwell in us, to live out through us, in this community, the presence of Jesus. Help us the next time in that line or in that home meeting or at work when the need arises to see our call to respond in your power. To take the step of faith, having asked you to live in us, help us to take the next step of faith that says now's the time to apply the works of Jesus. Help us to proclaim liberty to the captives. Anoint us, rub us, so that we can bring good news to the poor. Get our eyes and our hearts fixed in the right places and help us to notice where it's time to go to work and to be salt and light in this community. I pray in Jesus' name for his glorification, for his honor in this community and wherever you take us. Amen. Amen. You've been most kind today to me. Thank you for being here of all the places you could be. I mean, you could already be at the Mother's Day brunch somewhere. But now you're just going to get the leftovers. I'm just kidding.
they'll put out fresh for you, I'm sure. God bless you.